0: For another segment of Market Overdrive, thank you so much for tuning in with us every Thursday. We are here to elevate your real estate IQ, and we always sequester amazing talent that's in the trenches, transacting, buying, selling, leasing, and you know, just everyday hustling real estate. Uh, with me, my beautiful co-host, Nick
1: Mametti not nick today it's the mimi show oh no it's the mo show no
0: no, no it could be the mimi show it could be The Mimi show.
1: i love it very humble in the studio mimi
0: I, it's so much better by the way when we frame mimi in that whole like you know star square she framed much better than nick i just wanted to put it out there nick we do not miss you mimi's
1: taking over i got the nick chair how was your week memes my week was great. I went to Coachella was That's in Cali. For real? It was amazing. Yeah, I was there. I was all Cardi B and it out. <laughs> Look at that. So I'm
0: gonna stay quiet because
1: she don't know music. I don't. <laughs> but we know real estate. We know real. Estate. I know real estate and music, so it's all. Good. Everybody
0: makes fun of me. I, I guess aside side of real estate. I really don't have a personality. I'm sad. How was your week, Mo?
2: It was good. It was. Bi- I went to Orlando. With uh, my dad and girlfriend. So that was nice, fun. Nice. And then I got back and uh I've just kind of been at it. I like country music by the way, but they don't play that at Coachella, right?
1: Uh they didn't play that, but it was can post Malone be kinda country? No.
2: <laughs> Luke Bryan's kinda country, <laughs> Brantley Gilbert, but not post yeah, Malone. No, no. No, it's not me. I gotta go to Country Thunder for that. Yeah, you have to. Up in Wisconsin. Carla, do you listen to country?
0: I do listen to country, actually. I enjoy it because it's like Spanish music, which is storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> and so if it's not bachata, merengue, or salsa, it's like country music. I'll,
2: I don't I know. I wonder. So, actually, our guest today, yes. Andrew Scheibe of Main Street Real Estate Group, um, you're in a band, right? I'll let you introduce yourself and what you do yeah, in real thanks, estate. In thanks in a for back. having
3: me, guys. Uh, I do work at Main Street with uh, with Mo. So. Happy to be here, talk some real estate with you guys, talk some buyers, uh, especially first-time homebuyer type stuff. That's kind of my specialty, so I feel like we're going to dive into a little bit of that. But um, I do kind of play in a band, yeah. Um, it's a, there's about two and a half of us currently. What do you got, like a half guy? Like a short guy he, like me? I send him files and he plays <laughs> guitar on some of it. So like that's our, like, our half portion of it. But yeah. I thought it was like a little guy. No, like what kind of music us. is it? Uh, it's like kind of punk rock to an extent. I think like Bruce Springsteen meets like punk rock, kind of. That's how I would cap it. Kind of Look at Main it.
0: Street showcasing his talent. I love it.
3: Yeah, we have, you a- have
0: to bring more Main Street guests. He's
2: got a diverse bunch. We have uh, a lot of talented folks. We like Leela was on a few weeks ago and she's an opera singer. Mm-hmm. He's. Is
0: that a requirement to join your office? Mimi and I were thinking talent.
2: about
3: it. Outside um, skills? You have to have more skills besides real, real estate.
0: estate. We, uh, not, we more need skill. to know, know more about music, working out.
3: H- the
2: hobby. What's like your favorite hobby?
1: <laughs> <laughs> My kids, I don't know. Do. I'm right. like struggling That's here too. Yeah. I'm struggling hobbies. here too.
0: I mean, oh, I'm gonna be volunteering Mia's class doing Pixie uh, at the Pixie store. You guys anyway, join
2: our to- kickball team. Yeah. The
0: kickball team That's right You have an upcoming event too With YPN right? I
2: do I do So the YPN on June 7th Is going to host a And it's car in the YPN They're going to host a City wide kickball tournament Some of the proceeds Are going to go to charity It's going to be really cool It's going to be office Against office Realtors Lenders And um, there's going to be liquor So that's going to be fun mm-hmm. You need that For uh, yeah, kickball For kickball mm-hmm. You need that And um, it's going to be a good time So June 7th If it doesn't rain out If it rains out We might have a different date But uh, Stuff's going to go out on Realtor dot com pretty soon here.
0: And as a mod squad, we also have to start thinking about St. Jude's. I really would like for everybody to join us and do that walkathon. Okay, so it's a race, but I'm going to do the walk part of it. <laughs> Look at <laughs> Mo; he's like, I don't know about all that.
2: I got short legs. I'll walk instead of run. It takes me; it's a lot of effort for me to get a far distance with my little legs. <laughs>
0: You're hilarious. Anyway, let's get to real estate <laughs> basics, right? Because everybody wants to know what's going on. So, of course, we make this show about what's trending in the market. And this week was a very stressful week, and it's only Thursday. I I mean, I just... Mo's a, an attorney, right, as well as a broker-owner... So I asked him, like, what the heck? What's the difference between transacting in 2017 versus 2018? Because it seems to be so different. Like, these words like escalation clauses get thrown out there. And a lot of, I think, buyers are not, uh, I don't know, educated or advised as to, you know, how to get their deals accepted. So we brought in some great talent to walk us in uh, walk us through the buying process. So if you're a buyer and you're going through the process right now, take notes. Because, obviously, Mo is an attorney, so you're going to get real estate advice from a licensed attorney. And, of course, stop producing agents in his office that is, um, has the patience to work for first-time buyers that may not know the process. So do you guys want to take it away?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll let Andrew kind of take it away from the uh, start of the process. I'll jump in a little bit uh, about escalation clauses. I, and Carla, when you mentioned it, I think you had said, you know, last year, escalation clauses, thousand over, next mm-hmm. best, and we're working. And now- more and more people know about escalation clauses. So I'm going bigger, 1,500, 2,000. So yeah, there's there's definitely a shift between twenty seventeen and eighteen and some tips and tricks.
0: But before we start I'm sorry for interrupting you, yeah. but before we start like jumping into like the whole negotiations and using escalation words yeah. like escalation clauses, right? Because buyers don't know what, what no. it is. Why don't you go ahead and explain to us like what is your first step when you meet with a buyer that's never bought before? Like what's your advice and how? what's the process like?
3: Usually I just like to get a feel for what they expect out of the process first because sometimes people think it's going to be this magical like you know exciting process when they really don't understand that it's actually much more stressful and not as not as much fun as you because everybody's watching hgtv nowadays and they want it to be like this magical house hunters kind of episode but i like to get their expectations in order and then like you said like you know you want to get pre-approved make sure you've got that all sorted out and then just i take notes and just write down you know what are we looking for like as far as price how realistic are we with the price compared to what the pre-approval says because a lot lot. of people again don't understand that hey i think i can afford four hundred thousand dollars but wait maybe the lender can only get me 300 so you kind of have to check your expectations and kind of your ego a little bit too because you might think hey i make this much money but little do you know that your credit will you know can all all sorts of other factors come into play before you even talk to the lender so i like to get everybody in touch with the lender first before we even really start sending properties because it's just you know Otherwise, you see places. I love places. how you
0: say "eagle," right? And I think that's you know it, it goes in line nowadays with the mentality of like instant gratification, and I want big and more like you know. And it may not just necessarily be eagle, too, right? It may be just what we can afford, what we want versus what we can borrow based on what's available, because there's not a ton of like affordable housing opportunities, especially because there's not a ton of inventory. So I think that's where everybody kind of struggles because of pricing and then interest rates increasing Mimi you're married to a lender so you hear these questions a lot and obviously with Mimi's process the intake consists of a realtor and a lender in the office what are you telling your buyers nowadays as far as the first step in getting financing do you do the same as Andrew
1: yeah I mean that's the most important step right is financing and and I usually tell people what kind of payment are you comfortable with a month not let's see how much you can get approved for what are you comfortable with a month right you should live within your means um We also um, do—a lot of people don't know that they can—what they rent for, they can buy a house for. And a lot of people are kind of intimidated, that whole process. Well, I don't know where my credit is, and I'm kind of shy, and this and that. But we have programs to get you ready to where you need to be to get your credit where it needs to be. Everybody has issues. Not everybody looks at their credit all the time. So it's not a big deal, and we see it all the time. You know, some people are like—I've had friends who are like, oh, you're going to know my credit score? Like, I don't even look at that. He looks at that, passes it over. Like, I don't even know your credit score— I would have to deal with tons of people's credit scores. Like it's not even that. So it's just getting people ready and educated, you know, as far as getting it all done.
0: And well, Mo, you're um, you're like a superstar realtor uh, attorney. You're nine. a president of YPN, so you're pretty busy. I mean, you have apps coming on, and you have you know, video games at your office,
1: and, and you know. shirtless Brazilian jiu jitsu people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shirtless
0: Tuesdays office meetings. That's when Carla um, and I are gonna go in. <laughs> so when people see you and hear you, right, you're out there. They think maybe it's. Most too busy for my business Am I as a first time buyer Can I Can I really take Some of his time I feel like Maybe I shouldn't call Mo Because he's not available What do you say to that Do you work for first time buyers
2: A ton I mean I'm of an age right now Where I have A lot of people Selling to buy their second homes But a lot of people Who are still renters And for me Honestly I always said that The day I can't take care of my clients anymore is the day I'm restructuring my businesses. So for me, I just don't sleep very much, so I do take care of first-time home buyers. And you touched on a really good point there. It's that credit score thing. And uh, there's three things renters sometimes tell me when they say, hey, I don't know if... Um, I can buy, I'd rather rent. And the first one's, I don't have a good credit score. And FHA, you know, five eighty, 580, five eighty five, conventional, 620-ish. Try to rent in Chicago with those credit scores. Mm-hmm. Not happening. Right. The second big one is, I don't have enough money to put down. Now, with low down payment options, credits back at closing, you can actually buy a house for less money than it costs to do your security deposit, your first month's rent, second month's rent, because mortgages skip a month. And the third big reason, and the one that I th- honestly think maybe there's uh, some validity, is I don't know where I wanna be in the next couple of years, so I'm just gonna rent. And my rule of thumb for first time home buyers is, if you see yourself staying put for at least three years, it makes more sense to own than it does rent. If you're, I have a friend of mine who's uh, in MBA program, and he's like, I don't know if I'm gonna be in New York next year or Chicago. Okay, smart, you should rent. That is the type of person I think should rent. Everybody else, if you're a renter, you're you're throwing money away for sure. For sure. So, yeah, I definitely work with first time home buyers and I tell them you should not be renters. And anymore.
1: here's the thing you know, people get 30 year mortgages or they looked at their parents who lived in their house forever. Like, that's not happening anymore. I mean, I'm alone on my fifth house, right? <laughs> and I'm not that old. I'm not going to tell my age, but, <laughs> but uh, 25. No. <laughs> so, here's the thing, right? Everybody thinks like I have to stay in my house forever. You buy a house and you're there forever. That doesn't happen anymore. I tell the first time I sell someone a house, I say, will see you in a couple years because yep. I know you're going to buy it. I have two oh.
3: buyers, two people I just closed on two buyers there was two years ago they bought and they both sold their houses now they're a pair of sisters actually and they sold their places in the last couple months so buy and sale Yeah. how about our mutual client Andrew's Andrew's fantastic with
2: clients so if I am very busy a lot of times I'll work with a guy like Andrew if I can't get somebody out Andrew's taking out a client of ours right now she bought Less than a year ago and yep. she's like, I'm moving and she's buying again, so your flexibility's there. So yeah. yeah.
3: And I think what I wanted to jump on with Mo said there about the, the credits and just like people think they can't afford to buy a house. And like you're saying, like with the credits back, that's something I do a lot for my first time buyers. I I do bring that up a lot. Just like, hey, like, if you wanna stay a little more liquid, we can we can do that. We can help you with that. There are ways around this, you know, to make this workable. So I think that's something I don't. It's kind of like when you said escalation clause is kind of scary, that kind of stuff that people don't know about. But those are the kind of things I think an experienced agent, somebody that knows what they're doing, can really help, especially first time buyers. People who have done it before kind of have a better feel for it. So, yeah. I, um,. You know the education piece I think is huge. Like you said, you get an
2: expectation. An education piece is so um, important when you start working with first-time homebuyers because, like you, we all said, either they've watched HGTV or they've gone on Zillow and they've read the blog and they see something. But educating them on, hey, being a homeowner is smart. All the advantages of being a homeowner, and we will make sure that we get you into a home with as little money down as you we can, if that's what you want.
1: So I think we keep throwing around the escalation clause word. I think we should tell everybody what it means.
2: Sure. You guys want me to handle that? Yeah. yeah
1: you're the attorney in the okay. studio.
2: So an escalation clause is basically putting in the purchase price line. And it only happens typically when you're in a multiple offer situation. So you go and you put in an offer and you're like, well, what should I go up to now? And you start playing the mind game. Well, maybe the other buyers, let's say it's listed at 300. Maybe he's at 300, so I'll go at 301. Maybe he's at 310. I'll go at three hundred fifteen. And you get into this um, guessing game, but you really want the place. So an escalation clause is basically where you put in the purchase price line, I'm going to pay an X amount over the next best offer. So for example, I will pay $1,500 over the next best offer. And it's legal. You can say that. Yeah, uh, I would have an addendum on there that proves that has the other side prove the offer to you so that they don't just say, "Hey, the offer's this much." The thing with escalation clauses that scare buyers is, what happens and this happened with a, a client of mine, so it was a, I'll give you the exact example. Listed at 650, home was great. had a bunch of people through the first time, and multiple offers. My client goes, "I'll give them 675 for it." And I said, "Don't do that quite yet." I said, give him fifteen hundred over next best offer. I said because maybe it's six fifty two, and you're going to overpay by twenty grand. The next best offer was like six fifty three or six fifty four, and I saved him twenty thousand dollars because he just had to go a little bit over the next best instead of making a blind crazy guess and going way over. So. I love them. I use them all the time in multiple offer situations. The key is, and Mimi, we talked about this a little bit right before you came on and Andrew nodded his head yes. In the suburbs, they're not as well aware of escalation clauses, the listing agents. So it's an education piece. Anytime I send one, I call the other realtor
3: and I'm like, hey, have you seen one of these things yet? If not, let me teach you what it means. So they don't be like, what the hell is well, this offer? Thank like you. saying. I have a friend of mine just got, him and his wife both just got their licenses probably I would say within the last month. They're writing an offer for a uh, multi-unit for themselves, multiple offers and he's like, oh man, I would happily pay, the numbers work if I paid $50,000 more than the asking price. I said, whoa, 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 stop right there. Like Just like Mo said, why spend $50,000 over asking price if you don't have to? So that's something that, and he had never even heard of the escalation clause, so it's something that, like he said, that sometimes people get scared off, like, oh my God, what if I paid way too much for this place? But it's gonna, in real, reality, it's gonna save you money. And here's a bad trick. You probably shouldn't do this, and I probably shouldn't
2: say this, but the buyer's contract in the 6.1 contract is very buyer friendly. So you have a lot of out. So let's say you're about to overpay. You got attorney review. You have an inspection contingencies. There's ways to back out of a deal. You shouldn't. That's not ethical. But what I've done before is I've actually had a situation where my client got sticker shock, did the escalation clause. And then all of a sudden the number came back really high. You know what I did? I picked up the phone. I called the other agent. I said, listen, my guy's got sticker shock. You have another offer that's a thousand below mine, and you're like 50 grand over asking price. You got an amazing offer. I'm not going to waste your time and kill this deal during the process. Just take the other offer, let us go away. And the other agent was like, Yeah, I guess the other offer is great. I'll take that offer. And I've had agents be like, You know, screw you. You said escalation clause. And I'm like, Listen, you want me to back my guy out? from the contract and waste your time I can so for buyers there's a lot of security in the contract the 6.1 for anybody's ever listening that can make a change in the 6.1 it's a very unfair contract to sellers
0: and I guess we covered that last week, right, where we were talking about, like, the escalation clause and, you know, conventional versus FHA and how to leverage multiple bidding wars. Um, so let's go back to, like, the basics of buying. Like, what are the some of the things that you guys would advise your clients? Say, I've never done this before. I've read it. You know, I've gone through all these websites, and I've been reading on, like, how to prepare. How do I go from being a tenant to buying my first property? What is the advice that you'd give me? Is there three things that come to mind, Andrew?
3: I mean, really, just get your finances ready. Like when you, if we're talking about just the first step, like we were before, like get your finances ready. Make sure, like we talked about, have the right, know what you want to do for a down payment. Talk to a lender, get pre-approved, not just pre qualify or anything like that. Get pre-approved so you know what you're going to end up spending, what you can afford, and that kind of stuff. And then just, to me, have an open mind because I've had clients who were just like, "Oh my god, we have to have this," you know. You know, we have to have this house in this neighborhood, blah blah blah. But if you just listen and use your realtor's advice, because if they can maybe steer you towards a a, an area that you weren't thinking about, like oh maybe that would work. Like that's what I I try and give my clients another option. Like they're you know if they're set on one area, I understand that. But take have an open mind a little bit to it because there's also there are going to be some options that you might not have thought about that your agent might know about and be able to kind of help you out find something that might work that you never even considered.
1: What do you have, Mimi? Me? Don't buy that car right (laughs) (laughs) everybody wants the car first like do not buy the car right I'm gonna start
3: shopping
0: for furniture right your
1: debt to income ratio will just blow you out the water so definitely have your finances in check know what you're spending money on and even if you have self-employed buyers right like you have to get their taxes ready and you know just finance and credit
3: actually I'm the one thing I will say is listen to your lender I, I get so many people who get so upset. Why is he making me sign this? Why is he sending me this? Just Your lender is helping you just do ask do what they ask you in a timely fashion. Don't drag your feet. Don't get upset when they ask you for a lot of stuff because they will ask you for a lot of documents. You and know? another
1: thing is you have people think, well, you know what? I'm not going to buy a house until I pay off all my credit cards or I pay all this off. Like You might not have to pay all that off. Let's see what the lender says. Let's see how they put it together and we'll see what you need to pay off. And if there's something you need to pay off, then you can.
2: And your lender... Trust me. If he didn't have to take documents from you, he wouldn't. It's just (laughs) what happens now. They have to get these documents from you. You guys are right. I think one of the big things that happens a lot is the furniture. I think Carla may have said it there. Uh, People open furniture cards and then they're like, "Hey, I'm about to buy a house. Let me go to Value City and open the credit card and then load it up with a bunch of furniture." Then they don't realize that goofs them up when the credit gets pulled at the end. both of you kind of touched on something for me though I tell first time buyers is if you are confused about where you want to live with a couple different neighborhoods go start spending a little bit of time in those neighborhoods so take like a saturday you know and go have lunch if you want to go to Naperville for example go have lunch in Naperville with your significant other or your family or yourself and see if that's where you want to be and then go to Aurora or wherever else you want to go and if you're in the northern suburbs same deal but play around in those neighborhoods because once you a have an open mind about different areas if you have like this crazy like Andrew said I had a client uh, recently and he's my Facebook friend so he's probably going to see this and be like you're talking, talking about already. me <laughs> but he had a list of demands that I knew were going to be very difficult to meet in that neighborhood and I kind of did what Andrew said you know I said let's open your mind to these other neighborhoods why do you want to be in this neighborhood and he's like well it's close to public transportation well so is most of the city is close to public transportation he's like well I've always wanted to live in this area and I said would you be flexible in other areas he goes maybe so I took him out to see a couple different areas and then he fell in love with those areas but start to get comfortable with which areas at least narrow it down which areas you want to be in because if not you got this gigantic northern part of the state and there's just too many options
1: and see where I live, it's kind of school heavy. Like a lot of people move to the areas where do you live? because I live in Western Springs. Okay. Yeah. So it's very school heavy. And yeah. I always tell people, like, check out the demographics of the school. It'll tell you a lot about a community, you know, and that's how you can learn about the community as well.
2: So school districts are uh, a funny thing for some of my clients. I, I tell them all the time school, great school districts are important. And they're like, well, I don't have kids. So
1: but I'm it's like, important on resale say. value, right. right?
2: You know, when the markets go up and down. So I, I was a I still am a foreclosure defense attorney, but in the height of foreclosures, when the market crashed, areas that had good school districts didn't Mm -hmm. crash as bad. They all went down. But when the market came back, they came back faster because everybody wants to be in a good school district. So even if you don't have kids, it's not to say you have to worry as much as somebody who does have kids about the school district, but a school district does matter. So
1: just how I touched on earlier, how I think like nowadays we sell houses, we buy and sell much more than our parents did. That's the thing to look on for your return on investment, right? The the community, the school, It's always gives you, since you're always thinking about selling, or is that just me I'm always thinking about? No, you always <laughs> want to consider the resale. You always want to consider your resale value always when you purchase. I just personally will never move again.
2: I am done. I moved. <laughs> I lived 11 years in Streeterville. I'm in the northern suburbs. Unless I win the lottery somehow. I'm done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but just to add to your boundaries do matter concept, right? Uh, for resale purposes, it's true. But if you're looking for, um, you know, your first-time buyer, you're just trying to get your first home, your first condo, um, and then, you know, get, you, just fire your landlord and have your own property that you can paint, that you can make as much noise as you want because it's your own um, I say, yeah, consider schools, though, but, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more on taxes for schools because property taxes absorb the cost of, like, parks, streets, and schools, right? So the better the school or the higher-scored school you're in, um, then you're going to pay more. It's going to be a higher carrying cost. So if you're thinking, like, you know, maybe I won't have kids, I'll have kids three years or five years, but if you're considering reselling it, do you know, and you can absorb the cost of carrying a higher tax Bill and remember, we're we're doing these six percent increases too in taxes. So um, just to keep that in mind, right? Because it's going to add up. Going back to, um, I don't know, three things that I would advise a first-time buyer to to consider, I would say set up a budget, and not necessarily just a budget for monthly payment. I would say set up a budget for saving money so you can build a nest egg. I would say conservatively save up to 5%, right? Um, You can get loan programs that are 1%. You could get loan programs for 3.5%, but the 5%, you kind of get rid of that mortgage insurance premium, and then your carrying cost is not as high. Um, Or if you decide you want to go 3.5% and just keep the rest, for a rainy day for an emergency fund I think that's a great way to go I also say that you should pull your credit or talk to an expert so you know if there are any dings that you should remove because that's also going to affect what kind of loan program you qualify for and what interest rates you're giving um, and then more importantly you know once you have done all of this and done your research and understand the differences in loan products um, call contact a professional that is well networked that understands the areas and can guide you through you know proximity does matter to close to you know school public Public transportation, or what have you. I mean, everybody's going to start their process differently. I think strategically, that should be the best way to start. Do you agree, Mo?
2: Yeah, I I, th- I think you hit the professional part. A lot of you hit a lot of great points. The professional part, I'm going to kind of keep going with, and it touches a little bit on how 2017 and 18 has changed a little bit too. So, a brand new agent is totally fine. You can use a brand new agent. Some brand new agents are great, but. Agents like I know Andrew, uh, and I think both of you guys as well, you guys have access to pocket listings, top agent network. You guys have access to things that sometimes some agents don't. Listen, anything that hits the MLS syndicates out to a million different sites now. So the consumer's smarter. They get to see things on Redfin, on Zillow and stuff. So get a professional that not only can add value throughout the process, but might have their hands in different places where they can get... um, uh, pocket listings, they got a good network at their office. And Carla, you said something about keep track of your credit score. I would tell anybody, home buyer, not home buyer, whatever, download at least Credit Karma and watch your credit so that if something randomly pops up um, on your credit, you can alleviate it. So you're not in the middle of the home buying process and all of a sudden shocked and then you have to petition it to be removed from your credit. So I have Credit Karma on my phone. And I just, every week, it's not 100% accurate, but at least if something pops up, I can take a look and then do something about it, even if I'm not looking to buy a home.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes back into the more of um, the, you know, when you're younger, you're spending your money, and you're buying that $5, $6 latte at Starbucks, you know, start a savings plan. If this is something you really want to know, you want to do, right? A lot of people think, well, those are kind of basics. If somebody wants to buy, they should have skin in the game, and they should have down payment, but... You'll be surprised how many of us just get really overwhelmed with saving for something that we really want. Um, so I say, like, you know, talk to someone who's going to guide you through the process, who's not going to be like, okay, well, you don't have any money now. Don't waste my time. I think that you should sit down with an expert that can guide you and say, pay off this debt, and then you raise up your credit score by X amount, and we can do a rapid rescore. Someone that's going to look at the overall picture, your overall investment goals, and it's going to guide you. Uh, maybe you can, you know, pay off that car, and you're going to be an investor financial decision you know or precision once you're you're ready and what are you telling your fellow friends or colleagues or what are you hearing out there in the industry list as far as what is the one thing that's stopping people from ownership
3: i, I see I, with the first time buyer thing i have a lot of people it's just down payment i, I have a lot of friends who still rent and stuff like that and it's just like oh well kind of like most and like oh just you know i don't have the money for it and this and that and i always try and tell them like and i try to do Try to get too like salesy. I'm not. That's like my least favorite thing. So I try not to be too aggressive about. But like, look, like there are options for you that don't involve you having 20 percent down. So I have a lot of people who still think that that's a big thing, and I'm like, no, you only you can you need three and a half percent. Like that's you can very much do this. It's very very much you know something you can accomplish. It's not that hard. um I just think people get scared off. Like, oh, it's such a you know big financial burden and I'm so nervous about it and it's just like no you should look at it more positively as it's almost like a savings account like this is a long term investment this is an investment in yourself instead of paying off somebody else's mortgage with your rent just be more focused on the long term
0: and I mean it's crazy it gets to the point where I mean I was a tenant temporarily last year and the rental amount was definitely higher like it's so high and so, you know, how do you save money, right? If you're, all your money is going into rental, like, what is, and, and I read something, and, and maybe this is not for everybody, like, you know, the average household income, like, what is the average household income, right? So, if you're you're starting out of college and you're making thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, maybe you're making eighty. you know, at that point it becomes a little easier, but if you're paying $1,800 to $2,300 mm-hmm. on rent, it kind of adds up. And then you're going out every weekend, and, you know, the new restaurants are coming Out because we're in the Midwest and we're in Chicago, it's a metro city, and so brunch is super cool in the city of Chicago. Everybody's going to brunch and you're buying the mimosas because you know it's a brunch special. You're just spending money and you don't even see it because of the lifestyle. I think you could buckle up for a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe a six month plan. I encourage everybody to do that and call me, you know, after you've done something like that and just challenge yourself to say, Maybe for six months I'm I don't have to. I can have a party at my house and, you know, entertain my friends at home and maybe just go get a bottle and orange juice and make our own mimosas, you know, have a mimosa party.
1: So I'm going to throw a shameless plug out there. Yes. So my husband Nick yes. at Nations Lending has a loan where it's a thousand dollars down or one percent of the loan, whatever is less. So with that, everybody can be a homeowner, right?
2: You'd be crazy not to be a homeowner. It'd be crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> can to? you
0: explain that? Because I I seriously put a property in the market this week and it was under two hundred. So I think that would be perfect for someone that's a first time buyer that it's in that you know it's in that price point. But anyone like okay, what are the loan limits? Like who can qualify for this type of loan? I think it's amazing. Um, the loan limits are <laughs> Nick is here. Nick is <laughs> here. 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 Come on Nick.
1: On Come side on brother man from up. the fifth <laughs>
4: floor. Yeah, yeah
2: get on the camera. <laughs> Conventional or FHA <laughs> financing
4: loan.
1: Conventional or FHA yeah. financing loan limit. And it
4: was his birthday too.
1: Happy birthday. Happy birthday Nick. So birthday. yeah, we're the dynamic duo here, right? We can no, get you in a no. house for
4: <laughs> very affordable.
0: Can you fit up in Come the on. screen? <laughs> are they in there? So, come on. Give us some uh So, what would us some you info. like to know?
4: Uh, so, pretty much, I mean, the program is awesome. It helps everybody. Um, it's conventional or FHA financing. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, pretty much whatever the loan limits. The, for FHA? That is, that's what it is. So, there's income limits, though. Um, for FHA, you cannot make more than $84,000. Okay. And for conventional, it's up to like $131,000. That's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah so that's a lot that's of people. that's the majority of... Of people looking in that price range.
0: So, literally you know. 1% or $1,000, whichever. Out of pocket, yeah. yeah, I mean, oh.
2: people spend that in
0: like uh, two weeks, right? Yeah. Going out. But, yeah,
2: <laughs> like you or cannot rent for that. So, you have a security deposit, you have a first month's rent, and mortgages are paid in arrears. So, you skip a month, most months, but m- with most purchases. So, you have three months worth of rent. You can unless your rent's three hundred dollars. You can't match that. <laughs> right. You know it's it, the other thing I think people miss is what are the benefits of being a homeowner versus a renter? You know we've said you know you throw rent money away, but what does buying do? You have three big things: your principal gets paid down, so you're paying down what you owe the bank. Property values go up on average across the last like four decades; it's four to five percent a year, and you get tax write offs. You have. You know, your mortgage interest gets written off, your property taxes get written off. So these are things that benefit you that renters just don't get. Um, But that's crazy a thousand bucks down. I mean, literally, unless your rent is 300 bucks a month, you cannot be a renter for less money than that. And I don't know anybody in Chicago who has $300 a month rents. Yeah,
0: (laughs) No one, right? I mean, rents are ridiculous. I think
1: even if you live with your parents, they charge you $300. (laughs) Yeah, well, you got to do
2: $300 worth of chores for sure. And
0: no privacy. And, like, seriously, I had a millennial client who lived, and this is also traditional culture, right? Um, Latina, young girl, very, like, successful, an attorney. And um, she was still living at home. And it was that, you know, there's a lot of process that people have to go through. That's why I say work with an expert because you never, sorry. I got something in my face. Like on my face. <laughs> it's your um, hair. It's my hair. Anyway, you never know. Like the differences or that wall that people have. You know, like my client, we would see this property and I'd be like, but that kind of fits the bill. That's what you told me you wanted. Oh, let me bring my dad to check it out and see what he says. And then dad would be there and he's like, well, it's not safe. Or, you know, oh, you know, and it took us some time to kind of go through the process because you have to educate them. But you also have to be patient that people go through their timeline or their own process because she wasn't ready to move out. Eventually, when she moved out, she's, I think she's been in her place, what, six months now? She's super happy. I'm still waiting for that invite for her housewarming party. But, you know, it's super cool to see someone attain that goal because it's seriously liberating right yeah. it's your own property you can paint it and a shout out to my single moms and single parents I know that there's a lot of daddies you know that are also single parents this is the best gift you can give your children I mean just to have the ability to call this your home paint that bedroom the kids color of preference and just be able to you know build equity right this is something that you can you know air to your children and at some point point. and I'm not saying like you know maybe you can buy a two flat that's gonna yeah, allow to you to that. give you some residual income and help out I mean single moms we you know they have it so hard where you have to like you know you got the sports and you're a mom too mean so Mm -hmm. you know what it's like you had a daughter in college and you have two other ones at home so It's hard, right? My son plays hockey, and he plays baseball. And, you know, Mia does I only improv. Let,
1: I only let my kids do controlled climate sports. No, nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're everywhere, but it's expensive. So, you know, if you're putting money away, it's sometimes it's really hard for, you know, the single parent to save money and put money away. This is an, a great opportunity for you to build equity, build it over time, and just forget about it. You know, pay down your mortgage, or at least don't give it to a landlord, Right.
2: We've, uh, Andrew and I have spoken about this a little bit. Uh, both of us were going to do it. I think he's going to do it. I'm in the suburbs now. Um, you said too flat. You can do an FHA two to four unit building, mm-hmm. and then once you move out of that thing, that's a rental that you can pass on to clients. I think you're gonna you're thinking of doing it. Still, yeah, right? I've been
3: looking forever. I've got I've even passed it on. I had a renter actually, a, a younger guy who I turned onto that three and a half percent down FHA for a multi unit. His mind was blown. He's probably 24, 25 and he was just like, "Oh my god, I can't even believe that's an option." Yeah, and I'm like, "You're gonna be." In your forties, probably when that thing's paid off, like you'll be set. You'll have a three, four-unit building, and you're going to be paid off in your forties. Like you're set up for a long time. So yeah, that's an awesome option.
0: It's a super cool concept, and this is our first time not to have a lender on the show that can actually walk. Well, we got one. He's here. Get over here because I do have. There was. um, I remember Graco or somebody had mentioned a program or not a program, right? I mean, if the company which is the building, and I call it a company because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to have a tenant who's going to live upstairs. It's like, hello, that's your that's your client. As your customer, and you are the landlord, and you're running a business called a building, and it's two flat or four flat, right? But as long as the building, um, the income from generated from the building regardless of my income and all my other credit, well I'm sure credit matters but can I afford what's, what's the likelihood of g- getting a loan for a two flat or a four flat if the building's generating healthy income?
4: Okay. Yeah, there, there are loan programs that are based just on the investment cash flow, that's what they look at so that's a separate product, mm-hmm. it's more a niche specific product but at the same time, it's just based on that building and the cash flow, so as long as it cash flow's yeah, there's lenders willing to lend on that. So
0: you're basically taking over, becoming a CEO of managing this building, and you actually get to occupy one of the units and obviously maintain it and hire somebody to cut the grass, snow removal, and maybe pay, and then also pay you know common area utilities and then manage these tenants. You know, as they move in, you move out. I mean, a lot of our millennials are doing the Airbnb and they saw it as a profitable business. Dang. Why there's not?
4: another? That's another. So I think the point is people you need to reach out to professionals and really let us see kind of what the options are because there are so many options opening up right now in the market so many different lenders are coming in with niche products like the one you said about investor cash flow there's bank statement deals now where you can just basically show bank statements i mean we're getting into a point where things are definitely opening up and there's so many options so for people who want to be homeowners Definitely reach out to your real estate professional, your lenders. Let us kind of see what you're working with. Look at you know, that. I mean, me. the
0: Nick and the iconic <laughs> has moved in, uh, taking over the old Nick's well, no, chair. I mean, we need a proper introduction for you. So tell us, obviously, Nick Yassine. Nick
4: Yassine, Nations Lending.
0: How long have you been in business?
4: So I've been with Nations for about two years now. I've been in mortgages for over 15
0: so a family in real estate, and the cool thing about the you know Mimi and Nick is that you guys work in the suburbs and you're everywhere pretty much. But you know you look at it from a family perspective because you are, so you're able to educate people. And obviously I work with a lot of moms because that's who I am, and I know you. You know it, it, it just comes more comfortable. Like and I mean I have a lot of young clients as well, but when you're looking at from a caring because it happens to me and I want to take care of people, it's a whole different dynamics from people who are just doing volume and they're doing a bunch of transactions. You guys are boutique owners and you know you're running your business as a team. I think that's you know collaborative. That's great.
4: Exactly. And I think that's what we all have in common here is that we really care about our clients. Oh, and sure. we definitely want to protect them and, and basically give them the best service as possible.
0: And, and exactly. And I mean, just going back to that statement, I think that holds a lot of truth about Market Overdrive and why we syndicate the show. I mean, we're live on YouTube, Instagram. Um, you can find us. We've been doing this for like four years and we do it every Thursday. And of course, we're very busy professionals. I'm a mompreneur, right? So for me to come here, and drive to the city, well, not to the city, but come downtown from Lincoln Park and just take this time to LA. Ele- ele- elevate your real estate IQ it takes a lot of time to produce this show i mean Mo, you're an attorney. You're, you know, you have your own firm. You have agents who are calling you all the time. I know I'm calling you all the time um, to give me, like, talent and give me ideas for the show. But we do this truly because we're not just educating our consumers, but we're also talking and kind of echoing the sentiment about our other professional realtors. I mean, early on you talked about, like, Top Agent Network, right? That's a network with the top 10 realtors. Uh, Top 10% of realtors in Chicago belong to this organization, or membership program. But we have access to products. We have Access to information that not everybody has, and you know we're able to transact better. I'm not very, I'm not selfish with the information that I have. I share a lot of my like my process because I want everybody to transact like I do.
2: It's givers gain. I mean, we do this at Main Street. I don't know even if this is a uh, common thing. When we get a listing or we have a buyer, we, Andrew and I do it, a lot of our agents do it, we send out that listing to everybody. We try to help each other sell each other's homes. If we are looking for a certain something, he might put something up that says, hey, I'm looking for this, and we'll do our best to kind of help one another out. But yeah, I think this is an industry where it should be givers gain and realtors should get along. It, I, it sucks when you're dealing with realtors that are just being jerks. Yeah. It, does, it does not have to be that way.
0: Some people are just, like, you know, overwhelmed with the market, obviously. um, Not an excuse to to excuse our professionals out there who are super stressed because it's a spring market. But, you know, I think people should take a deep breath and negotiate with etiquette and also just be able to respond, send feedback. I read a comment, and, I mean, we're kind of deviating from our topic here, but, you know, people think that real estate is a simple game. You know, it's not a simple game because aside from, like, maintaining – Uh, our industry standards and elevating the industry, you know, base of how we should conduct business, um, our clients get caught up in the mess. They kind of get caught up in the mix. I mean, uh, my client recently, she was very offended with how a deal was negotiated, but, you know, I had to kind of, you know, explain the process. You know, it's not an emotional process. Real estate is acquisition of a commodity. And, you know, we get emotional because we, we call it home, but it's not a home until you buy it. You know, and right now in this marketplace, the biggest difference between 2017 and 2018 is that just because you're writing an offer on something doesn't mean you're going to get it because there's 10 or sometimes 15, 20 more people that want that one product. So unfortunately, you cannot fall in love with an asset until it's yours, until you've signed that letter and somebody's giving you an executed contract accepting your offer. What would you say is the major, like, biggest difference between 2017 and 2018, uh, Mo?
2: I just think it's a little bit more frantic this year. I think rates have gone up a little bit, so that's freaking people out a little bit. I think um realtors are having to become more creative, so that's what's happening with the escalation clause and everything. But honestly, I, I would say that the biggest problem I, I think you just touched on it, Carla, is uh, sometimes clients don't realize that we realize it's your most important deal, but we have about 15, 20 most important deals to deal with at one time. So we want to make sure that we everybody feels like you're know you getting your fair share of our attention. But we were talking about it in the car, Andrew. I also want to let realtors know, your job is not like life and death either. So don't let it stress you out. We're talking about doctors and stuff and people who've worked 40, 50 years to try to earn a living. We're talking about our parents and stuff. Realtors get stressed out really fast. And if you take a step back and you realize the reason your clients are trying to stress you out is because the process is so important to them. And it's okay. It's not life and death. It becomes a lot easier. I know you were saying in the car, yeah. It it seems like we should be super stressed out about things in the moment.
3: But when he took a step back, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, people just, I think that if I could go back to a question from like 20 minutes ago, what you tell your buyers, I'm going to piggyback on what you said, like emotions. Don't don't get emotional about this. It's it literally is business. It's not, it's not personal. None of this is personal. Like if you get, people get heated and it just like in the moment, I understand it. But at the same time, it's just like, you guys, this, everybody is working together. The thing is like, sometimes your buyers and your, your attorneys and your lenders and everybody can't, will you know, will deviate from the path for a second. We lose track of what we're doing, but it's like, everyone's on the same team here like and everybody just needs to relax sometimes because the buyers especially because they don't have an inside track into what we're doing and sometimes it's just you want to have your buyer just say "Hey, just relax a minute let us handle it that's why we're doing what we do that's why we're the professionals so and just don't get so excited about everything I, I got a client of mine he said it to me best one time and he was the most cool
2: calm and collected we went through a couple tough deals and i said at closing i said you know Lewis, you are the most cool, calm, and collected client I've ever had. He goes, it's a pile of bricks. He goes, and I am not going to get emotional over a pile of bricks. He goes, I might (laughs) live in that pile of bricks, but I'm not going to get emotional over it. And he was a business guy, so he got that. It was kind of what you guys guys both said. It's a business thing. Yes, it's home. Yes, you want to be happy in your home. But the negotiation of it, I think when you said people get angry at each other, they're like, well, it, why didn't he come down $5,000? That's not reasonable. Well, he's trying to make a smart business decision for himself. So he's trying not to come down. So yeah, if you take the emotion out of the process, it'll be a lot more fun for A, the buyer, a whole lot more more fun for the realtor. And then you guys have a good time with it. And
1: I guess another difference between 2017 and 2018. So when the market came back, everybody came back and I want to be a realtor. I want to be a realtor, right? So then you have to deal with these people who are if they can control their clients and they're all high strung and then they make the whole thing high strung where you're just like I'm not just going to talk to you right now like let's let the lawyers handle it you know I'm sure you get that a lot but
2: yeah people throw their hands up and they're like hey Mo and Tim you guys go ahead and take it from here and we're like All right, we'll land the plane
1: yeah so that's something when it comes to dealing with somebody who's dealt with a lot of properties or done a lot of transactions you know they kind of know how to run through the deal instead of getting all up in arms with everybody and and making everybody nervous Mm -hmm. I yeah. love
0: that concept and I love what you said, Andrew, about team, right? It's a it's about being a team with your client and more importantly for you who are you know first time buyer and this is the first time you're even considering or wrapping your brain around this whole concept it is very important that you hire a professional that does have a strong team without you, you know a strong team with them obviously you're very well networked you both are Andrew and Mo and of course Mimi you know her husband's an attorney I mean, I mean a lender and you're an attorney so you can like think of the transaction because real estate is like a puzzle and the person who's able to put this puzzle together and can understand the pieces if one is moving then we're going to move you here it's seriously a crazy puzzle at times because there's so many moving parts right once you get the property under contract you still got to go through the inspection and then you got to align yourself with an attorney that's going to be responsive that's going to go and you know Represent you in the best light. Uh, one of the things that I like about you know working with Tim, you know, in your office mo is the fact that he's a litigation attorney. So I know that if I buy this new newly flipped property and after we close, you know, there is water in the basement and they said that there was never any water in the basement, I can call Tim and say you're never going to know what happened. You have to call because so and so just got water in their basement and they lied about you know having a sump pump or no sump pump or we missed something. And as realtors, you know, we're we're guiding the process of negotiations. We're we're overseeing the whole entire timeline, but but I can't see behind, you know, within the walls. I can't see past the drywall. And the people do a lot of things. Remember, these foreclosures were at some point, I'm sorry, these flips were at some point of foreclosure. So having a great te- team, like, I mean, Tim will call somebody and call somebody out. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, you cannot believe what that attorney just told me. And then Tim's like, calm down, Carla. I got this. Like, I don't even have to tell him anything anymore because I've been known to walk out of a closing. I'm like, you know what? I can't handle this. You're being really rude to my client and I. My client and I are going to go work for a walk. We're going to go get coffee. Tim, you handle it. But even through the process, right, a lender that's responsive, like working with Grocco, right, he's not here, but you work with um, Nick. Just knowing that my stuff is getting pre-approved, it's going to go through. Right. I, like, literally have been dealing with a deal where the lender forgot to ask documentations that was necessary to get this loan approved. He issued a pre-approval. My client and I shop. And we shopped in this marketplace where there's not a lot of inventory. We had bidding wars, and we finally found the one. As a realtor, I'm working with the other realtor, making sure that they accept our offer and that everything moves smoothly. We're getting to the last minute. Closing is set for two weeks. And he forgot that there was a document missing. The girl had had a foreclosure. Mm, and a this,
2: weird forget.
0: Yes. <laughs> didn't get a foreclosure. It Had a foreclosure. And now we're waiting. Then we have to wait for another hut, you know, for FHA and, and buy. And there's a per diem that's attached to this. So, the, I mean, again, real estate is like a puzzle. You're paying a per diem if you don't close at a specific date. Who's going to absorb that?
3: Well, I had actually a client and uh, somebody not involved in the transaction like a family member or something like that called me out on my intentions of referring a lender or an attorney Mm -hmm. they're like oh what do you get and I'm like "No, no 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 like you're in business you understand like you're a smart guy that said this to me I'm like you understand that I'm referring somebody because I know they're going to get the job done yeah. like, that's the only reason I don't get a kickback from something like that I'm referring you somebody because I know and trust their skills and their abilities that's the only reason that I'm referring anybody I'm not referring you somebody for my own gain I'm referring it for your gain like, so we all get the best out of this
2: that's so important I tell people don't go hire Uncle Jimmy the divorce attorney to do your real <laughs> estate transaction don't go get you know Uncle Frank who knows how to do plumbing to do your home inspection you know your realtor's want you to use a lender, a team, people they trust because they've been through processes where they've had somebody step in that doesn't know what they're doing and goofed the whole damn thing up. So listen to your um, agent, whoever he thinks is probably good for you to use. He's doing that, like Andrew just said, for your best interest. And when I get Uncle Jimmy, the divorce attorney on the other side, and I'm like pounding my fist and pulling my hair out because he just doesn't know what he's doing, not only is it frustrating for me. But I see the opportunity to be able to do things that I know he's not going to catch. You know, my AI letters get things passed through that you know a good attorney on the other side would have been like, no, 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 no. And it's the same with inspection. Your lender, I think you got one of you guys touched on. Maybe it was you, Andrew, and or either one of you guys. You said prequalification with pre-approval. There's a difference. You know, mm-hmm. if so, if you see in the small print, we haven't looked at income, we haven't verified employment. Well, that's probably not a really good pre-approval, right? So use the team that your realtor tells you to use.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's important. We transact every day, all day, multiple transactions a day. So we deal with these people constantly. My inspector, he'll drop everything at my phone call. My client needs to be in at 9 a.m., he'll drop everything I and love he'll be inspector
0: there inspector too right it's Carla's
1: <laughs> inspector too but you know he'll he'll drop everything because he knows how we work and he knows that we're loyal to him and you know it has any, nothing to do with any kickbacks we get no kickbacks yeah, no, we don't no. even get a free we inspection can't. Is he, is, <laughs> we can't get
0: kickbacks as licensed realtors right we're supposed to give you like options like here's three names two right. names I narrowed it down to two right because mm-hmm. I know and a lot of people ask me like why should I work with these people? Like, you know, why? And the answer is because they respect our business models, Mm -hmm. right? Like you said, Humzy is um, the inspector that you use and I'm using him now. He's always available and he understands it i'm busy yeah and he will say oh i'm i just don't even have to ask him for three options i'm like hey mm-hmm. are you available tomorrow he's like sure what time yep do you know how lovely that is or if i text him right now and i say hey tim um my my client has a question this is what we responded and he's like hey i'm in a closing right now i'll call you back or you know the client's like oh wow you know she's getting you know all these these people are just like responding to her yeah. but that's because they respect the fact that I'm a busy professional, but I do care for my clients, right? So, Andrew, when you're working with your clients, you're building this network for yourself, and people are responsive to you because you know that together as a team, you're going to take your clients from intake to closing, yeah. correct?
3: Yeah, and that's, I had I made an offer for um, a client of mine that is multiple offers, and the listing agent called me and said, now the pre-approval do you, do you know the lender or is it your lender or who is it and I said yeah it's my preferred lender he goes okay because I've had issues where like you know the client went and just got pre-approved from some, somebody they found online and I actually have had a transaction in the last year that happened that way it was somebody that I didn't know the lender and I just said okay that's fine and it's it's been a very it's been a tough process, and if it would have gone with the lender I knew, then yeah, it wouldn't have been. It would have been the same. So yeah, I think people, sometimes you feel like you're pushing it on somebody, and I don't like to do that, and especially if you're with your friends or something like that, you like you hate to push, but there's a reason. There's a reason you're doing because you know they're going to get you to the end.
1: For sure, and you have to trust the process and trust that we are there for the greater good of, of you, and the reason why we do our job, too, is we love to help people, and we love to be part of their big purchases and the big things in their life, so... And we work off of reviews and referrals, so why would we you know, snake somebody just to, for one deal?
2: Mm. Yeah, and guess what? Realtors don't get paid until deals close. Right. <laughs> so people are like, well, you guys make money. No, we don't make a dollar, I tell people, until we get you to the finish line happy. Mm-hmm. Everything is for free until you're happy and we get there. We're going to make sure we do our best to get you there very, very happy.
0: And actually, also, one thing to remember is realtors get paid out of the seller's bottom line, not the, the buyer's, buyer's side care. of the transaction. So, when a property is put on the MLS or the market, a seller agrees to a marketing fee. And that marketing fee <laughs> is split between the selling office and, um, sorry, the listing office and the buyer's agent. So, Actually, it's not coming out of your pocket. So you're getting representation for and free. guidance mm-hmm. for basically free. That's something that you don't have to absorb. And you're bringing in, not, you're not just hiring Carla. You're not just hiring Mimi or Mo or Andrew. You're hiring a team behind them. And trust me, my team, it's taking me a long time to develop and also screen and work together. But I think over you know these 14 years of transacting and working in real estate, through the ups and downs, I've learned who the true professionals are. And the people that I keep close to me are people who can work with me. um, It can help me protect the best interests of my clients. It can make it easy for them. So it doesn't have to be as frustrating and aggravating um, because the market and other indicators can always affect a transaction. But my team, I know, is always going to be there. It's always going to be responsive. And ultimately, it's going to be ethical. And none of us are going to want to just, you know, like lose our license over one transaction. And I think that's key um, because a lot of agents, unfortunately, don't look at business that way. So guys, um, we're coming here wow, to an end. That, really, that went fast. <laughs> Lots of information. Always great to have our guests. Um, so you being our guest today, like, give us a, a takeaway in summary. What is something that you like to let your friends know, or colleagues, or professionals, or future clients? And at the end, just let us know where we can find you, how we can get a hold of you.
3: Um, I, I mean, I just say like, if you ever think that you can't own or you don't think it's an attainable goal, that's not true. There are so many options out there. Um, that will allow you to buy a home and if you're looking to sell your home now is the time like if people always ask is it a good time to sell um yes and so that's the i always say yes now now sooner than later is the better time so um but basically you can yeah just work like you said save your money and work towards it you can all. there's always it's an attainable goal for sure and it's something that you should all be looking to do in the future for sure
0: love it and what can we find you
3: um you can find me uh on facebook i my I have a Facebook page for my uh, my business. It's just Andrew Shieby uh, Real Estate. Um, I work at Main Street Real Estate Group, and uh, give out your cell phone oh, number. Yeah, <laughs> give <it to> <laughs> uh, and if you need to contact me, six three zero seven six eight two four one one or Andrew at Main Street R E G dot com is my email as well. I
0: love it, and you've given us a lot of great advice for your um, buyer clients. What would you say to your seller clients? What is one you know key? Uh, Advice that you'd like to leave everybody on our show with.
3: Take your uh, take your agent's advice on on the price. Don't go crazy with your price. If your agent gave you a price, there's a reason why they he or she did that, and trust them on that.
0: Love it. Great talent at your office, Mo. We're thank very you. inspired. He's one of the <laughs> Thank best. you for sharing him with us today.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And,
0: Mo, well, of course, you are our co-host on the show. You're here every, you know, as much as possible because I know you're super busy. But give us some advice, like, from the legal perspective, transacting 2017 versus 2018, the now, the spring market. Give us one key advice that you like us to, to keep and hold and, and learn from.
2: Okay, about the process from the real estate attorney side. Don't go nutty during the inspection process. So be reasonable, just like you guys were saying, be reasonable. No home is gonna be perfect. Your inspector is gonna find some things. If there's a couple little things wrong with the home, it doesn't make the home defective. It just means you get to move in and you have a punch list of things that you're gonna do or hire a handyman. I see so many people getting strung up over two, three, four hundred dollars $400 worth of inspection-related items, and deals die. If it's a great house and your inspector said it's a good house, don't fight tooth and nail over four, 500 bucks worth of inspection items. Don't do it.
0: Right, especially in bidding wars, there's always a backup. To yes, a backup. they'll go to
2: someone else quick. So just like you can cancel a contract during attorney review and inspection, so can the seller. If you love the home... Don't start getting crazy after inspection. Don't get scared after you get an inspection report. His job is to find some things wrong with the home. And even a brand new gut renovation, they're going to find some stuff. So as long as your inspector doesn't tell you it's a bad home, be reasonable.
0: Great advice. And I mean, you heard it on Market Overdrive every member. It's free legal advice. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that information with us, Mo. And Miss Mimi Luna, they call you the diva, but are you really a diva? I think you have a bigger heart than the silly diva name.
2: <laughs> N- Nick's a bigger diva than I she I
0: think Nick is think a bigger <laughs> diva watching. than you are. But you know, do, being married and transacting with a lender in your pocket, which mm-hmm. is obviously just great leverage, right? Because you understand the dynamics of financing, um, and a lot of people just can't wrap their brain around that initial step, right? I like to say, I
1: have buyers in my pocket. You though. have buyers in your pocket. Buyers you don't
0: have an <laughs> <Hissy>. <laughs> But what is? Give us um, one piece of advice that you'd like our listeners to to take away today, uh, with respect to financing, and as and, but from a realtor's perspective, right? What do you see that it's of most importance when? Um, we start the initial process. So,
1: most important, I think, is uh, clients always get hung up on rates. Rates, 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 rates. Like this interest rate, they can't lock it until you have a contract. So, whoever's giving you these rates, they're giving you today's rates, right? Because they change every day. So, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go here because it's a better rate. And in the middle of a contract, I'm going to go here. It's a better rate. How do you even know the rate? You know, and everybody gets hung up on that. And really, you need to sit down and say, where the rates are. Here's what, here's what I can afford. And that's how people should shop. That's the most important thing. This is what I can fit in my budget, and this is how I should shop. And definitely, you know, trust the team. Trust who we work with. It's not because we they're our friends or anything like that. Of course, we become friends after working so much with them, but we refer them because they take care of us, and in turn, we'll take care of you. Um, just your best interests always. Protect your best interest. I love it.
0: Yeah. And I guess for me, my biggest takeaway from the show is you know like just work with the team, like you said. Um, also, in this marketplace, um, sometimes you're. M- monthly carrying costs may be affected by the premium that you'll be paying, you have to understand the markets. You know, right now it's a premium market. If you can't afford the cost, then you may have to sit tight and wait to fourth quarter when things settle down a little bit. But remember, rates are growing up, so it's kind of like... Pick one. You know you can't have it all. Unfortunately, not in this market. So again, thank you for watching and hanging out with us every Thursday. We are live at five thirty, broadcasting live from WGN Studios. And I do want to t- um, thank our sponsors: um, Mike Rendick and Carmen Carbonara with Stewart Title, Tamika Scott with Money Matters, and of course Denise Edenhofer with Fidelity National Home Warranty, Yo- Johanna Diaz with Credit R X, and Lisa Husino with Allstate Insurance. Thank you very much for sponsoring our show and being a part of the Mod family. And thank you guys for watching us. And obviously, if you find this information useful or you want to tag a friend because it was relevant to someone, do share it. I mean, we're very busy professionals, and we're here every Thursday to elevate your real estate IQ. Again, thank you. Thank you guys for coming in.
2: Thanks for having us.